I am loving doing these. I really am. Uh, yeah. Like this one sprouted from me seeing somewhere something about a book that came out in 1971. That I, and it surprised me because I knew nothing about it. And I ended up like going down a rabbit hole with this. And yes. it's one that I'm really interested in. I think this is good for people who just want a topic. They don't want yeah. to hear housekeeping, taste tests, new yes. strangers, questions, yeah. songs. But it's not like a paranormal topic. Right. But that being said, what's interesting about this is that this, as I was like looking into this, and I kind of want to go more into this, like in my personal life, maybe. But this is almost... Can't wait to hear what this is. This I'm is almost, so intrigued. This is almost something... Well, you know what? The, I told you to put the... Die. Die. Yep. This is almost something that is related to randonauting. I feel like this is very related to randonauting. Okay. So the topic for this one is the Dice Man... Not Andrew Dice Clay. Okay. <laughs> I was say, oh, Although we could do a show on Andrew Dice Clay because <laughs> he's fascinating. He was, it's it's weird to me that he was on my favorite show of all time. He mm -hmm. was on MASH oh. in an episode. He was in the movie Pretty in Pink yeah, as well. Yeah, he was. But this is about the Dice Man, and it's not Andrew Dice Clay, okay. but it's about the Dice Man or Dice Living. And so, that's where the title Die came yes, from. Because so, plural of Dice is Die, right? I stumbled across this book somewhere somebody wrote about and it surprises me so much that i had never heard of this before but in 1971 a book came out called the dice man it was written by someone named luke reinhardt the paperback book featured a tagline on the cover that said quote few novels can change your life this one will so the book is about a man named luke reinhardt who also is the author but it's a pseudonym Oh, okay. We'll get to that. Okay. <laughs> Who is also the name of the author. I'm going to get curted in the side sessions <laughs> Yes, you too. are. You're side curted. <laughs> Reinhardt is a psychoanalyst living in New York with his wife and children, and he's in kind of a midlife rut. Uh, day in and day out, he listens to the fantasies of his patients, and this makes him start to contemplate his own fantasies. One of the big ones he has is to cheat on his wife with his best friend's wife that lives in the same apartment building. I don't like him so much now. Yeah. At a dinner party, and this is all from the book. This is, okay. a, this is but this is from the so book. So it's out there. Yeah. At a dinner party one night, a drunken Reinhardt spies a single die laying on the carpet. He picks it up and looks at it, and the idea pops into his head of letting a dice roll determine what he does in any given situation. He says to himself, quote, if it lands on a number from two to six, I'll do what I would have done anyway. Bring the dirty glasses back to the kitchen, brush my teeth, take a double aspirin, go to bed, lay beside my sleeping wife, and maybe, ahem, uh, um, discreetly <laughs> think of Arlene. But if I roll a one, I'll do what I really want to do. I know Arlene is at home alone tonight, so I'll go down the hallway, knock on her door, and sleep with her. And of course, it lands on one. This is assuming she wants to sleep with him. Uh, this this is where <laughs> there's a lot of controversy about the book because he goes down there and he says, I'm going to have sex with you. And she goes along with it, but he constantly refers to it as rape. What? Yeah. He constantly refers to it as rape in Why? the book. I don't know. But that is a, like one of the reasons that this book is kind of controversial is That's because weird. it's it that he talks about raping her. So he goes Is that down, part of the fantasy? Like maybe. Hmm. 
you know, he goes down the hallway and, and he's, and she's like, what do you want? He's like, I'm going to come in and, and have sex with you. And she's like, well, all right. <laughs> so, and, but then he's constantly referring to it as rape. Weird. But this was in the early seventies when there was a lot of, you know, you're coming out of the summer of love sure. at the end of the sixties. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of sexual, I don't want to say experimentation, but a lot of sexual. Kind of. People are being it, very yeah. free with their. Yeah. Like, but it's very like exploring. Mm-hmm. It's, he worries about how this could change his life, but he also tells himself that this wasn't his choice. It was the choice of the dice. So after his wife is asleep that night, he goes across the hall and knocks on the door. And that happens. So he decides to start basing all of his decisions on a roll of a die. According to an awesome November 7th, 2019 article in The Guardian called, quote, Who's the Real Dice Man? The elusive writer behind the disturbing cult novel. The article says, quote, since it has six sides, he gives it six options. The first is to do what he has always done. The five others depart more or less distinctly from this routine. Once it has been subjected to the dice, even the most anodyne choice, that of a film, a restaurant, etc., opens a vast array of possibilities for putting your routine behind you. He starts enlisting his young children in this, asking them to write down six things they want to do in rolling the dice. This culminates with his young son beating up a bully at school. Reinhardt then decides to have his son grow up as the first person whose actions are strictly governed by chance, but his wife finds out about what's going on and she leaves him and takes the kids with him. I feel he like up, that's a good decision. Yeah, he on ends her up part. losing his job because of things he does based on the dice rolls. He keeps pushing the options of choices, and it of course culminates with adding one of the choices to be murdering someone, which of course comes up. And the book kind of dodges about whether or not he actually goes through with it. Uh, He writes down the name of four people from his past and the names of his two children. He rolls the dice and it comes up with the name of a former patient. According to the article from The Guardian, quote, The Guardian? The Guardian is the newspaper. Okay. If you believe this autobiography, he went through with it, although certain commentators doubt it. What does seem certain is that having ruined his career, his family life, and his reputation, Reinhardt was ready to become a prophet, and that is what he did. In these years when the most paradoxical therapies flourished from one side of the U.S. to the other, a guru with a dice had every chance of attracting followers. So he establishes the Centers for Experiments in Totally Random Environments, where you enroll of your own free will, but undertake not to leave until the experiment is over. In time, students are expected to commit to role plays of varying durations. You list six personality types, and for 10 minutes, an hour, a day, a week, a month, or even a year, adopt the one that the dice decides. Oi to the vey. Some of the followers of his dice... This is from the book. This isn't real life, but this is from the novel. Some of the followers of his dice therapy went insane. Others died or ended up in prison. Some, it seems, reached a state of nirvana. During their short existence... So he's claiming those Yes, in his book. Reinhardt's centers became as scandalous as Timothy Leary's communities, a school of chaos, a school of chaos posing as serious a threat to civilization as communism or the Satanism of Charles Manson, as the conservative newspapers put it. The end of the adventure is shrouded in obscurity. It is said that Reinhardt was arrested by the FBI, that he spent 20 years in a psychiatric hospital, both, or that he died, or that he never existed at all. And that's kind of how the book ends. Hmm. Um... Have you read the book? No, and okay. I want to find a copy of it now. Uh, the BBC labeled it, quote, one of the 50 most influential books in the last half of the 20th century. And it floors me that I've never heard of this book right. because I'm a book guy. I've never heard of this guy. Yeah, and I'm a book guy. So I went deep down the rabbit hole about this. Um, that Guardian, the, the, the article from The Guardian is really good. Uh, that's like where I got most of my information and stuff from. But it was written by a man named Emmanuel Carrier, who... 
he writes in the article, quote, I was 16 when I discovered it as a terribly timid adolescent with long hair and Afghan jacket and little round glasses. For a while, I walked around with a dice in my pocket, counting on it to give me the self-confidence that I lacked with girls, not that it worked too well. The Dice Man is the kind of book that not only pleases readers, but also gives them a set of rules for life, a manual for subversion. After The Dice Man came up in conversation a little while back, I started to wonder once again what had become of the author, Luke Reinhardt. In an hour online, of course, I learned more about Reinhardt than I had in 30 years of idle conjecture. His real name is George Cockcroft, and although no longer young, he is alive. He's not. He died a couple years back. Okay. He has written other books, but none as successful as The Dice Man, which almost 50 years after it came out is still a cult classic. Dozens of sites are dedicated to it, and just as many legends circulate about it. Ten times it was almost adapted for a movie, but mysteriously the project never comes about. Communities of followers of the dice still exist all around the world. And it's interesting because I, I couldn't, f- I found a lot of like individual accounts of people. And this is kind of, this is what dice living is. It's using the dice to determine what you're going to do in any given situation. I can see how you connect it to randomness. Because it sure. is. I mean, we get into that, but it, it's breaking out of your, your routine. Yeah. It's, it's breaking out of your routine. Doing something you normally would never yep. do. So the guy that wrote the article actually met up with the author and he sounded like the author was like kind of cool. Like he was a cool guy. The author of the article goes on to say, quote, the dice was a quirk that the young George picked up in college. He and his friends used it on Saturdays to decide what they were going to do that night. Sometimes they dared each other to do stuff, hop around the block on one leg, ring a neighbor's doorbell, nothing too mischievous. When I ask, hopefully, whether he pushes experiences further as an adult, he shrugs his shoulders and smiles apologetically because he can tell that I would like something to be a little spicier. Mm-hmm. No, he admits. All I asked the dice was, for example, if I had enough of working, do I stay at my desk for another hour, two hours? Do I go for a walk? Do I go home? And then his wife, Anne, says, what are you talking about? Don't you remember at least one important decision that the dice made you take? He laughs. So does she. And he tells me that he had noticed an attractive nurse at the hospital, but was shy and didn't dare talk to her. The dice made him do it. He drove her home, took her to church, but the church was closed, so he invited her to play tennis instead. Of course, the attractive nurse was Anne, who became his wife, Hmm. which is interesting. That's cool. That is cool. And then take the tycoon Richard Branson, who was just in the news. Because he he went to space. He used to say that all of his choices in business and life had been taken thanks to the dice influenced by Luke Reinhardt. Then there, was really? the, then there was the British journalist Ben Marshall, who in the 1990s took on an assignment in which he would follow Reinhardt's example for three months, let all of your decisions be taken by the dice, and write about what happens. The journalist took the assignment seriously enough, it seems, to trash his love life and his professional life and to disappear without a trace for several months. It, it's just, it's crazy. We should like, do that for a future side, I, I'm, side session. Yeah. I would do it. Um, and in this article, he met this guy that wrote the article, met other followers of the dice. They call themselves, uh, it's called dice living, but they call themselves followers of the dice. Okay. So he met other followers of the dice over the internet, one in Salt Lake City, one in Munich, one in Madrid, all men. In Madrid, Oscar Cuardardo, who came to meet me at the airport, is young, a bit pudgy, and nice. On the way to his place in his 4x4, he made what was by now a familiar joke, saying, quote, I may look nice, but you never know what the dice has in store for tonight. Maybe I'm a serial killer and you'll find yourself chained to my basement wall. <laughs> well, alrighty then. <laughs> like everyone, Quidardo had heard of people who have ruined their lives by setting extreme conditions, such as going halfway around the world and never coming back, having sex with animals, or stabbing someone at random in a crowded train station in India. 
Stories like that circulate on all these sites dedicated to the dice, including the one he has been managing for the past 10 years, but they don't interest him. He recommends using it in a way that makes life more fun and surprising. He has three rules. And this is the big one. This is like the the number one rule of dice living is, quote, thou must not disobey the dice. Hmm. So if the dice tells you to do something, you have to do it. And he says that is like the number one rule is that thou shall not disobey the dice. But the funny thing is you're putting out three, you decide what the options yes. are, right? Yes. So yep. if you're like me, you're going to pick options that you would do. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that when we okay. talk more about it. I'm uh, never going to say who should I kill yeah. today. <laughs> yep. The second rule concerns the decisive moment when you list six possibilities. You have to examine yourself and try to find out what you want. It's a spiritual exercise aimed at getting to know yourself and getting a better grasp of the infinite possibilities that life offers. The options you select have to be pleasant, but at least one has to be something you would not normally do. It has to make you overcome resistance and break with habit. When you throw the dice, your desire should be tinged with fear. In 1969, while Cockcroft was teaching a study abroad program on the Isle of Mallorca, an Englishman starting a new publishing house happened to stop by a cafe. Oh, start all over this one. A cafe? Cafe. <laughs> <laughs> In 1969, while Cockcroft was teaching a study abroad program on the Isle of Mallorca, an Englishman starting a new publishing house happened to stop at a cafe in the same village and was given a partial manuscript of the Dice Man to read by Cockcroft. Cockcroft was subsequently offered advance payment for publication. Shortly afterwards, Cockcroft was encouraged by his course director to take an early sabbatical from his teaching duties. He remained in Mallorca to complete the novel, after which the publisher sold the American rights to the novel for a large sum and within a year the film rights, allowing Cockcroft to retire from teaching and becoming a full-time novelist. Uh, it's just like a random a random chance that he was in this, this cafe when the book publisher came in. Mm -hmm. And the, the book was like huge and he managed to be able to quit because of that. I want that. I know. <laughs> but George Powers Cockcroft, the man who published A Dice Man in 1971 under the pseudonym Luke Reinhardt, died on November 6th of last year, mm. I believe. So, uh, was it last year? I can see a tie-in to, to like any kind of, what, what would you call it, divination? Like oh, yeah. tarot yeah, cards. Totally. Although I don't use tarot cards to make decisions. I think a lot of people do. Yeah. But yeah, he died November of last year. Okay. Uh, business, like we said, business tycoon Sir Richard Branson has told how he was heavily influenced by the Dice Man books, which encourage readers to hand over decisions to the throw of the dice. The billionaire said that the cult books by Luke Reinhardt influenced his decision-making in the early days of his Virgin Records label. In an interview in the Radio Times, he told broadcaster Danny Baker how he used the books when he went to see the group Wigwam before releasing their LP. Branson said, quote, They were Finnish. I went to Finland to see them. This is so weird, but at the time, I was very much under the influence of the Dice Man books. It's where you compile lists of actions after throwing the dice, have to adhere to whatever number you've placed by that particular instruction. So I went to Finland. I had made this list of things to do when I threw the dice, which told me that for all that day, I had to scream loudly on the hour, every hour for 12 hours. <laughs> Asked whether or not he carried out the task, he replied, quote, Oh yes, you have to see it through. So there I am at the Wigwam concert, and the band are playing not the loudest song in their set, and I can see the hour coming up, thinking, you know, oh, please finish the song so my shriek can be lost in the applause. Asked if the crowd managed to drown out his screams, he admitted, not a hope, 
I just had to bellow it out. Dreadful for everyone, really. And I had to do it again during their encore. <laughs> so I think that's a, I think that's a cool story. Mm-hmm. That they, that's that was just a weird thing to choose that, a possibility for yeah. that day. And this was interesting. A good way to relieve some tension, though. Maybe yeah. I don't know. This was interesting. Graham Alcott, founder of the Think Productive Management Training Company, decided to try this. In a February 5th, 2013 post on the Think Productive blog titled, quote, I am the Dice Man, he says, I will reread Luke Reinhardt's book, The Dice Man, which I first read about a decade ago. This month, the dice will decide what tasks I do, what shape my days will take, and what decisions I take about new things that come in. And he said, he said like, one of the things that he would do is if he had to do something, he would pick six things. It would be one, do it now, two, do it later, three, delay it until next week, four, ditch it completely, five, delegate it to someone else, or six, do it in a totally different way. So when he had to do something, he would roll the dice and whatever came up, he would do. In that post, he lists his hypothesis in the article, guessing that doing this will show, number one, decisions are overrated. He writes, I think I make good decisions. You probably hold that opinion of yourself too. But if we're honest, how much of our decision-making is influenced by our habits, assumptions, and limiting thought processes? Could a throw of the dice bring me to places I wouldn't take myself? And how important are our decisions anyway? There's an old saying that one-third of your decisions are right, one-third are wrong, and one-third don't matter anyway. In which case, the odds of the dice are stacked in my favor, right? Number two, he believes, taking action is more important than the decision. He says, quote, confession time. Part of the reason I know I make generally very good decisions is that they take me so bloody long. This month is the one month where the idea for the theme came not from me, but from my wife. She often bears the frustration of waiting around for me to make a decision or has to watch me take six months to reach the same conclusion she came to when the weather bore no resemblance to today. So this month is either going to prove me right or prove her right or prove us both equally wrong and right. (laughs) Number three, he believes, imperfection and accidents are to be celebrated, not shunned. He says, quote, I like this. We're sold a dream at school that every I should be dotted and every T should be crossed. And then we're sent out into the world of a million things to do and that dream becomes a nightmare. I know that the book I am writing could be 5% better. Should I spend the days of additional agony to work out how to do that? I don't think so. No one wants to produce less than their very best, but there comes a point when you need to get your work out there and stop tinkering around the edges in search of perfection. Accidents aren't always bad. Number four, he says he believes, pattern behaviors and entrenched habits reduce our ability to think and act in better ways. He says, quote, we are creatures of habit. I get up, I make tea, I check BBC Sports, I do my daily checklist. It's not a bad start to the day, at least there's no emails, but I'm already in a certain mindset because of this habit. Now, if the dice tells me to go to work half a day, sat in the coffee shop, or focus only on one thing for the entire day, it forces me to think differently. Rather like swapping from your own familiar car to one that feels completely different. Not only are you suddenly learning more about how you drive, but you take more notice of the road. Mm. And what was interesting is that I went down in the comments and Luke Reinhardt, the author, uh, Cockcraft, actually responded saying, quote, Your dicing blog resonates with me these days, Graham, because I've been rereading for the first time in decades my notes, poems, and journal entries in 1969 and 70 when I was immersed in writing The Dice Man and essentially discovering The Dice Man within myself. You seem to be entering your dicing with many of the attitudes that I find work best in life, questioning how much control is healthy and how much destructive, being open to accident and error, knowing that habit often limits and that experimentation often leads to dead ends, but sometimes to new life. Roll on, Luke. I Mm. thought that was cute that he commented on that. Roll on. Yeah. 
Man, I am someone who likes control, though. Trust me, you know. You I don't know. think I'm controlling. I just, I feel anxiety around situations I have no control no. over. But then he ends this first post, and I like this. He says, quote, It was fascinating to encounter so much resistance to the whole notion of randomness. People didn't even like the idea of me making a random decision, let alone the idea that they might make one themselves. We're programmed at school to be sensible, to do things conventionally, and to blend into the background. The dice have assisted me in making the everyday just that little bit less beige and have helped me make boring work less boring. And it helped me explore and appreciate all the possibilities that we never see. That can't be a bad thing, can it? And to me, that's just like randonauting. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's exactly like randonauting where you're like the randonauting. I'm sure you people that are listening know about this, but it is taking just purely random coordinates near you and going to that location. And it's a belief that it's almost like a synchronicity type thing where something meaningful will be there because you're breaking free from your usual routine. And I've done it a couple times. And the only cool thing I had was going to that corner of the park where the tree was and the butterflies flying mm-hmm. out of the tree and like circling around my head. But there's no reason I would have gone to that tree otherwise. You know, so it's forcing you to step out of your usual routine and do something completely different. And I love that idea. I really do. Mm -hmm. And this kind of gets into gamification too. And gamification is a big thing lately where you gamify things to do it, to make yourself do it better. You know, like if you look up stuff about gamification, it's about adding like game techniques to doing stuff. Okay. To make it more fun and to make it more enjoyable. And that's kind of what this is doing is it's adding gamification to making a choice. There was another article I read in a 2012 Huffington Post called, quote, being the dice man, what happens when you live your life by chance? And the person that, the person that wrote this, I thought this was interesting. They went to a party and they said for the duration of the party, they would roll the dice and one of these six characters is who they would be okay number one is an excessively complimentary would-be wooer number two is an arrogant and utterly self-regarding ass number three is to be positive about absolutely everything number four is to be negative in the exact same sense number five is to be incredibly serious and determined to bring every conversation back to somber topics and number six is to be obsessive about something of the dice's choosing I would be annoyed with every single one of those people. The the person writes, quote, there were low moments. Trying to find the positives in Bashir al-Assad's human rights violations record and insisting (laughs) everyone stop talking about the opening ceremony of the Olympics and instead focusing on George Osmond's economic forecast woes endeared me to few. But if chopping and changing my personality left others annoyed or irritated, for me it was rather thrilling. Most of us have an amiable version of ourselves that we slip on like a pair of slippers when out and about socializing, encompassing familiar topics, tried and tested anecdotes, and a personal version of what it takes to make others feel good. The dice strips most of this away, making conversations less comfortable but equally far less predictable. It wasn't a case of acting or being disingenuous, more tapping into aspects of my psyche that I rarely use in social situations and giving them a run out. And he concludes with saying that after doing this, he discovered, one, we don't go out and explore enough. Two, we don't do enough things that scare us. Three, we should talk more to strangers. Four, we shouldn't get too set in our ways. Five, we shouldn't take life so seriously. And number six, we need to have more fun. So I thought that was interesting, mm-hmm. but I could not imagine going to a party no. and, and just being like super cheery about everything. I don't and think I could do it. I couldn't. I couldn't do it either. I don't think I could do it. 
But uh, what's interesting is that there's actually been shows based on this. Apparently, Jim's spending a lot of time in the bedroom right now. Yeah. <laughs> the squeaking is like crazy. I'm sure you can't hear it in no. the episode, but it's driving me nuts. Um, There's been a lot of TV shows. There a couple. There's been... There's been a couple TV shows based on this, and I never knew that these existed. Uh, there was a one on the Discovery Channel called The Dice Man. It was an adventure travelogue television series produced by Little Planet Media, originally aired between 1997 and 2001. It depicts a presenter, Russell Harris, and a cameraman, Sean Fenton, making decisions about where to go and what to do based on rolling a die. So there was another one, too, where a girl did this for a season where she did everything based on die rolls. Hmm. And it's weird that I've never heard of these because I think it's just such an interesting topic. Mm -hmm. There's a documentary featuring Cockcroft called Dice World. It is on YouTube. It's in four parts on YouTube. I think it's like an hour and a half long, an hour long, but I watched it last night. Mm. And it's really interesting. Like, he's a really interesting guy. Uh, I'm, I'll, when I get around to post and whenever this is going to get posted as a side session, maybe I'll post the link to the first part in the strangers so yeah. you can watch it. Okay. But it's, it talks to people and it, it it's funny because he's going, he goes around like this beach where people are there and asks them if they would live like this. And they're, people are like afraid to, they're like, no. There's something scary about it for sure. There is. Like one girl but says, thrilling too. one girl picks, I think it was the number three. And she said, if that comes up, I'm going to sell my house. I'm going to move to where I want to move to and stuff. And it comes up, you know, and then he kind of gives her crap about it saying, well, now you have to do it. You know, she probably didn't, but it, it, it was amazing how scared people were at the idea of doing this. Giving the t- control yeah, to something But it's a really interesting um, documentary called Dice World. Okay. And it's about people that live like this. And this kind of gets tied in with something called flipism. Flipism is a pseudo-philosophy under which decisions are made by flipping a coin. Mm. It originally appeared in the Donald Duck Disney comic, Flip Decision, by Carl Banks, published in 1953. A flippist (laughs) is just someone that makes a decision based on a a coin flip. In the original 1952 comic book, Donald Duck meets the eccentric Professor Batty, who persuades Donald to make decisions based on flipping a coin at every crossroad in life. He says, quote, Life is but a gamble. Let flippism chart your ramble. Donald soon gets into trouble while following this advice. Another way of seeing the utility of flipism in decision-making can be called revealed preferences. And I, I, I like this. Revealed preferences. The decision options may either be all appealing or all unpleasant, and therefore the decision-maker is unable to choose. Flipism, i.e. flipping a coin or rolling a die, can be used to find a solution. However, the decision-maker should not decide based on the coin or die, but instead on their own feelings observed about the outcome, whether it was re- uh, whether they're relieved at the outcome or whether they were freaked out by the outcome, because that's basically telling you what you want to do. Mm-hmm. So Following I, your gut. Yeah, so basically I get that. Or your intuition. In this way, flipism or dice living removes the mental block related to the act of decision-making and the post-decision preferences can be revealed before the decision is actually made. Mm. And this, this flipism was seen in No Country for Old Men where the killer sides with a coin flip if he's going to kill the person or not i don't remember that aspect of it interesting wasn't that no country for old men i've Where seen the, guy the movie had like but the, the so hammer old. the hammer yeah. thing and he would kill people yeah yeah but he did it by he chose flipping a coin whether mm-hmm. or not he was gonna you know he picked a coin flip whether or not he was gonna kill the person so i'm gonna end this with a quote from neil donald walsh who says quote Life begins at the end of your comfort zone. You won't find glory at the center of safety, but at its edge. You won't find love at a place where you are covered, but in the space where you are exposed. You've got to take some risks. 
you have to not only pick up the dice, but roll them. So go ahead, take the gamble. You have nothing to lose except the chance to win. Life is not long enough to spend it on the sidelines. Yeah. That's true. So there you go. That is dice living. <laughs> it's I've I've like delved into this a lot. And so are you going to try it? I'm going to try it. But the thing, the weird thing is, I don't have dice at home. And I am, I sent it out like, I, I want a dice. Ah. And I've had a bunch of weird dice-related synchronicities the last couple days. Hmm. And, but I don't, I want like the universe to give me a dice. You're just going to find some I went to the antique the store because I want to find like an old dice. Yeah, like, or a I thrift want, store. Or th- and I've, I haven't found anything. Hmm. But what's kind of weird I'm is I'm sure that, we have several because we have board I know, games. I know. What's weird is that when I was at the antique store looking for one, I said, show me some dice. And I kept finding like dice figurines and dice shaped vases, but nothing, no dice. And I said, would you use a pair of fuzzy dice like to hang from your? (laughs) And I said something like, maybe one of these songs will say something about dice. And then the next song that came up after that was Ebony and Ivory, which is kind of a dice reference. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. And then I was driving down here today thinking about this and I had the song by uh Coldplay that Vita Viva and I was listening to it and there's a lyric in there about rolling the dice. Oh, so I've had all these weird oh, yeah, dice synchronicities that I don't mm. that so I want the universe to give me a dice to use for this and then I will use it. And And then how long are you going to do it for like a day? I don't a know. Week? I don't okay. know. I haven't thought it. You know, and it wouldn't be anything um crazy. No. Like I would do like <laughs> if I was leaving here one day I like would do take a different route home or something. Well, I would do uh, six sides on a dice. I would say one through four. I'm just going to go home like I would. Uh, five would be drive down to Aaron's, surprise him and spend the oh. day down at Aaron's. Yeah. Six would be drive out into the country, find some random bar I've never been at, go in and have a drink and just hang out for a little bit. Yeah. You know, so it wouldn't be anything crazy. <laughs> See me, it would be a lot more tame. Take this way home well, or yeah. take that way yeah. home. Stop you know, for a and, coffee. And like people say you can use it. That's like already a, outside of my comfort zone going use, to a bar by myself. No, no. I, 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 I would totally do that because it would be something, it would give me anxiety, but not yeah. like enough that I wouldn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what the dice thing wants you to do is to be a little afraid. Yeah. But I would just pop in at some country bar, sit at a bar, maybe talk to a couple people. So I think we should both decide we're going to do this when you get some dice. <laughs> and then... Take like for a day or two days or whatever it is, take notes and yeah. then revisit it in a future side session yeah. and reveal what happened. Yeah. I think that would be cool. Yeah. So we could probably end up doing a whole nother podcast about yeah. this, like a series or something. But because it's th- a very intriguing idea. I am somebody who needs to step out of my comfort zone. I do too. And I like to and be I like well that I determine it. what my choices yes. are so I can push it a little bit. Mm-hmm. But like I said, the first four would be just go home and edit the podcast like I normally do. Five yeah. and six would have been the ones that were a little different. Yeah. But a lot of people say that the problem with this is that, say you do want to rape somebody, you can do this and blame it on the dice sure. and say it wasn't really my choice. Mm. And that's where a lot of this kind of comes you're into play. You're just a bad is that person just, yeah, who's going to yeah, do it anyway. Yeah. But you're blaming it more on the dice right. than your own personal choices. Mm-hmm. But I think you and I are people who would never put oh anything God, no. in there no. that we would never want to <laughs> no. do. No. Um, but it was interesting to watch like this documentary and to read accounts of people that do this. They carry a dice with them everywhere they go. And, you know, if they have to do a heads or tails, they do like one through three on the dice is heads, mm. you know, four, five and six is tails. Sure. 
you know, so I just think it's a really interesting idea. I think if you wanted to simplify it, you could just do the flipism. Just have a coin. You could, but I like the dice. I think there's something, I don't know. I feel like there's something more symbolic about having six choices. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, I like that. So I need the universe to give me a dice. And once you get it, let me know. I will let you know. But I just, like I said, I stumbled across something about that book and I'm like, I had never heard of this book. And then I just went down this rabbit hole of, of, of reading about people that, that do dice living. See, it would be interesting because Jim and I both have, not this coming week, but the following week, we both took the entire week off. Yeah. And we have no plans. No. And, and just, it would be just, interesting. Yeah, just do something. like To like every day have six choices and roll the dice and that's what we're going to do that day. Yeah, like the fact that this guy met his wife basically mm-hmm. because of this, you know. Maybe I'll do that. It's it's interesting. I hope we find some dice before that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can always just grab. You can do your own. Yeah. You know, you don't and need just take notes. Yeah. Maybe like I'll find do that. find. But I want a dice that like calls out to me or means something or is like antique or mm-hmm. I don't just don't want to take one from like the Monopoly game in my closet. I want one that's like significant. That's why I would like to find one. Yeah. You I know. Get that. So I'm waiting for the universe to give me a dice, and then I'm gonna kind of maybe explore this and nothing crazy, but like I love the idea of stopping at a bar when I leave here because the dice told me to. Yeah. There was one day I went to Maribel and I ended up, I was, it was around lunchtime and I just went to a random bar and had, and got lunch to go. And I sat and had a beer and talked to like the couple, the older couple that came in and I talked to the the bartender girl and it's something that I would never have done. Right. You know, so it was just kind of cool. And maybe you never know, maybe it it didn't really mean much to you, but maybe you were a highlight in yeah. someone else's day. Somebody else's story. I right. was maybe a bigger thing, you mm-hmm. know? So it's just interesting. And it's very much like random nodding where it's letting synchronicity take over hmm. for you. I like it. So that's Dice Living. So what do you think? Very <laughs> intriguing. It was, it was super intriguing. Um, in- intriguing, a little scary, but I think I could try it within the confines of my... Yeah, because, because you're, you're controlling <laughs> control. what the choices are. Yes. But you, you do know, have to pick one that's a little outside your comfort zone. But that's like this guy in the book. This Luke in the book went too far when he put his kids' names on the dice roll of people that he was going to kill. Yeah, why would he you said, even do because that? Because you said you needed fear. You needed the fear in order to get the dice to do what, what it's, they're supposed to Isn't do. Just killing someone fear uh, enough? Yeah, yeah, you would think. But this book was very... It wasn't like the even the rape stuff in the book, like the murder stuff. It wasn't very serious. It was more of a funny book than a than a serious book. Okay. But it was it has like a huge cult following, and mm. people like believe in dice living mm. and let. But then that scares you because you could, if somebody's unhinged. Yeah. I I could be in the wrong place at the wrong time, totally. and a dice roll could determine me getting killed by right. a serial killer. That's terrifying. You know, and that's that's another thing that that I don't like about this is that. Some somebody that is a serial killer could just pick six random names out of a phone book, roll the dice, and mm-hmm. it's just there's no pattern, there's no reason. Yeah, you know, and that shows up sometimes a as as a as a downside of the dice living. Yeah. But people that are into this are into this. So. I can see how it could actually change your life for the better, though. Yeah, but the number one rule is you have to do what the dice says. Mm-hmm. You can't be like, well, not this time, because then that defeats the whole purpose of what you're doing. Yep. But I would do this, not to a crazy extent. Yeah, but same. it would it would be like ran, like random nodding. I'm sad that so many other people have cool experiences and I really haven't because mm-hmm. it always like puts me in the middle of some farmer's field or something. Right. Where this I think is more of a control of what you're gonna do. Yeah. But then you don't know what's gonna branch off from it's it. It's less random. Yes. So there you go. Hmm. That cool. is dice living like and the dice man. Uh 
hopefully it was a decent topic. I think so. It was just one that I went down the rabbit hole of and uh I'll maybe send you the link later to that Dice World documentary. Yeah. Very cool. He's a very intense guy. Uh the Cockroft that wrote this book is a very intense guy, but he seems very cool. But it's it's I could see him like being a cult leader too or something right. like that. Mm-hmm. But it was just interesting. The the documentary is interesting where like people were just freaked out at the idea of doing something based on a random roll of a mm-hmm. dice. So if you guys try it, let us know what you think. Yeah. Uh, let us know what you think of dice living. Very cool. So hopefully a universe brings a dice to me at some point and then we'll maybe we'll maybe write Give down it a shot. We'll maybe pick a topic based Give on it a roll. that. Give it a roll. Yeah. So let us know what you guys think. And I think that's it. Cool. Anything else? No. No? So from Krista and I in the Strange Cellar, until next time, stay, stay strange. strange.